everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of Misfit Independent. Today, I'm joined by Lisa, who runs a personal finance Instagram called The Breadwinner Sis. We will be chatting about Lisa's move across provinces, what sparked her move, planning and budgeting for the move, costs to consider when moving out for the first time, and other considerations on how to use your budget or spending plan to create a life that fits you. Hope you enjoy! I am here today with Lisa, and we are going to be talking about budgeting for moving out for the first time, perhaps, or moving to a new place. So Lisa, thanks so much for joining me today. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Gloria. I love the podcast, and I think it's so important that you're helping normalize conversations about money. Yeah, my name is Lisa. I am 26 years old and I work as an investment advisor in Vancouver. I moved here about three years ago now from my home, which was Edmonton, Alberta. So I was born and raised. And um, that was my first time like, moving out permanently and also moving to a new city. So we'll be talking wow, about two that and today. one. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving the nest. <laughs> and um, a bit about me. Um, I would say my my passion is financial literacy. <laughs> that sounds super boring, but <laughs> I really care about helping people learn about money. Um, ever since university, uh, I was part of student group for that. And I worked, um, I did study finance. I worked as a bank teller. Basically all my experiences, I mean, it really impacted me seeing how terrible <laughs> financial literacy is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially working at the bank, I just saw how people deal with their money and the varying levels of wealth and security that different people have and being in customer service for money. And even now with my full-time jobs, dealing with people directly, money is really an emotional thing. So I feel, you know, it's, it's a huge thing for people. It impacts every aspect of their life Um, and, you know, not being obsessed with it, but it is the tool that helps us all live. So yeah, my dream is really to impact financial literacy on a larger scale in Canada and doing that one step at a time, starting with this podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. And I completely agree. I think that there's so much of an education gap in financial literacy, especially because they don't, well, they didn't teach it in schools. I think they've introduced it to the Ontario curriculum. Not sure how in-depth it is. Yeah, I think it's getting better, getting more into the curriculum, but I think it just needs to be more Uh, presented as more of a priority to younger because when you're young even I wasn't I I had a class about it in grade 10 and I was not paying attention I was you know it was kind kind of went over my head but I think that's why it's just really important to to keep bringing it up at every level like starting even younger than grade 10 for sure and just drilling it in that it's a priority so that we're kind of prepared once the time comes Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a huge adulting skill that so many people just need to like learn when the time comes. And I feel like if we were given the tools earlier, it would be so much easier, less stressful. <laughs> yeah. So what is your relationship with money? I'm lucky enough to have a pretty healthy and positive relationship with money. I've heard some of your guests do a disclaimer and I will too. I, I did not have any student debt to start and I recognize that's a huge like leg up and that's a huge part of people's um, journey initially. So um, I did work part-time all throughout university, not just during the summer, 
and I lived at home. So I was able to save money from those jobs and kind of build up those good money saving habits and good money habits uh, earlier on. So now, even now that I'm paying rent by myself in Vancouver, working full time, that sort of thing, I feel like saving is still my priority. <laughs> like I need to do it. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I, I can't, yeah, I can't let that go because of just how much better I feel when I'm saving and putting aside money. Like I learned that earlier on. So it's, you know, still my priority and I am naturally pretty frugal, but definitely not minimal. <laughs> like I still enjoy fashion, skincare, makeup, that sort of thing. I'm just not the type to buy super high end or not buy a lot. Um, I'd say I buy like mid range stuff and then just try to make it last a really long time. Especially, yeah, don't tumble dry your clothes, people. <laughs> don't tumble dry? Yeah, I feel like because tumble dry, I mean, I hang dry most of my clothes and it just makes it last so much longer. I mean, because people, fast fashion, you know, the, the clothes kind of deteriorate. I, I don't, I buy middle range stuff, you know, like Uniqlo, I feel mm-hmm. kind of range, but it lasts so much longer when you just take care of it. And that, that does help save money in the long run. Yeah, for sure. That's a good tip. So you talk about your budgets. Do you budget religiously? Like, what's that like for you? Yes. Yeah, I freaking love budgeting. <laughs> it hasn't already come through. Um, I do. I have uh, an Excel template that I, I didn't make it, but when I found it works for me, it kind of tracks monthly expenses. I put in my spending limits for the month and then uh, on the side, it's just, I track my expenses as I go. So then it updates and shows me how much I've uh, spent in each category, you know, whether I'm close to the limit or not. So that it's pretty much down to the dollar for, wow. for me. And I, yeah, that's just, I don't, I think that's a little bit more intense than let's say the average person needs to. I think in general, if you have a sense of how much you're spending and saving and making that's, that's good and different things work for different people, but Yeah. That's how I roll. <laughs> wow. And I have a separate cell sheet where I track the bigger picture items, like um, how much I'm putting into my investment accounts and the limits for my RSP TFSA, because that's not really reflected as much on the expense tracker. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think having those limits, especially for your TFSA tracked is so important because you can't get that number like up to date from the CRA website. So it's so important that we track those ourselves. Exactly. Alrighty. So today's topic is about moving out to a new place and how to manage your money. Lisa, you mentioned that you moved out about three years ago from Edmonton to Vancouver. Tell me about your move, how it went, and what sparked it. The story of my move, I think, sounds kind of scary when I tell people, but it was a very calculated decision. So the short story is I quit my job and I moved to Vancouver. (laughs) I quit my full-time job, packed a suitcase, gone on a plane, and moved to Vancouver. (laughs) And a podcast. No, just kidding. Um, But I'm definitely not an impulsive risk taker. I mean, I just admitted that I budget down to the dollar. So, that's, that, so the longer story of that is, I think a couple of factors that resulted in me doing that. Uh, well, one, I think the biggest driver was that it's always been my dream to move to Vancouver. So there was something, you know, that was that was something I've always wanted um, in university. I just had this vision for myself, you know, getting a big girl job, working, living downtown, mm-hmm. something in a bigger city. When I graduated 
in the beginning of 2017. I got a full-time job in Edmonton and it was a great opportunity. So I was happy to take it, but it was still my goal to move to Vancouver by the end of 2018. I kind of set set a goal for myself. Um, and I so I really wanted to make that happen. And one thing I did do was all throughout 2017, I would set aside some of my pay to this like Vancouver fund or whatever um, you call it, because I was worried that when I moved, maybe my salary wouldn't be high enough to comfortably cover rent because I had heard, I mean, obviously everyone knows <laughs> Vancouver, Toronto, the living costs are really high. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I set aside some money each pay throughout the year, kind of as a way to just do something to move a little bit closer towards my goal. I knew it wasn't possible for me to move that year and I just wanted to feel like I was getting a little bit closer to it. Uh, And then the idea was if I moved and I was kind of just cutting it with the expenses, I would use a little bit out of the Vancouver fund every month just to kind of supplement my income or cushion the costs in a way. And ideally not for too long, maybe six months. I, I don't know. It was a very loose plan. I did try transferring with my company first (laughs) quitting was not my first option I tried for a good at least six months I think uh, I tried to I was working at a one of the large banks at the time in their wealth management division so I figured it would be pretty easy to transfer to Vancouver Mm -hmm. but the timing actually did not work out they didn't have any openings and no positions available I did interview for a few other divisions in the bank in Vancouver and and those didn't those didn't work out either so by that time it was like summer 2018 and it was becoming kind of clear that I probably wouldn't be able to move with my company and so then in considering like getting an entire new job that's I think when I made the decision to move because I'd heard from people that uh, employers do favor like local addresses on on your resume, which makes sense. So, you know, if I did move to Vancouver, I would have a local address and I could just go all in on applying for jobs. I considered that and I was confident in my transferable skills and ability to get a job there because I work in finance and I was going from Edmonton to a bigger market, Vancouver. So kind of figured that there would be opportunities there and and obviously I had also the the safety cushion I built up um, the Vancouver fund that was on top of my regular savings and regular emergency fund so I felt that I could move financially without stressing out too much Mm -hmm. and yeah it worked out I ended up finding a job that I absolutely love now um, after about one and a half months there so during that one and a half months, I did use use that Vancouver cushion during that time. That's awesome. I think that having that extra Vancouver fund on the side really, really helps because then you're able to make sure that you didn't have to like dip into your retirement savings or like other investments to be able to sustain yourself while you're looking for a job. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about money and what makes it so it's like it's a tool for you to use, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously... I could be thinking if I'm trying to optimize every dollar that comes in and like, obviously I could have put that towards retirement or investing, but this was a dream for me to just move to Vancouver. And it was important enough to me that it was okay to just let, you know, a month or two of emergency funds. It was okay for me to use that on this because it was a priority for my life. 
Yeah. And it's kind of like you can think of it as a vacation fund in a similar vein as that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Except I also want vacation on top of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> another another fund for that. Yeah. Did you use just like a high interest savings account for that savings? Yes. So anything that you know I'm planning to use in the next well, honestly, one to three years is short term for me. I keep it in cash. So at a high interest saving bank account, for me, it was just easy to, I, I bank with Simply. So I had my checking there just to open another savings because it was quick access to move it over. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, online banks that offer a higher rate are an option too. But I wasn't too focused on getting the highest rate possible because I was before the portion that I knew I was going to spend. Um, so it's just about convenience and accessibility for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a good idea. Just having a separate bank account as well. So what do you think are some common mistakes that people run into when moving out for the first time? I think in the bigger picture of things that could really impact your money, um, just one, not having an idea of the costs involved with moving and essentially not having a budget, but like to be more detailed, um, you know, not having an idea of how much things cost or like how much life costs, like groceries and ongoing expenses. This is assuming you haven't really tracked your expenses before. And then I would say also not having a cushion. You could do it. It would just be extremely stressful because that things happen and larger expenses could come up or if you drive a car and things break down and you just need to fix things. Yeah, having a cushion is definitely important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so you mentioned budgeting. How did you figure out the cost of living situation because you're moving to a new city? When I was living at home, like the first step I took was getting a sense of what I currently was spending. And that didn't include rent, but, you know, still spending on dining out and shopping or et cetera. And so just getting a grasp of like, okay, the current level of spending, how much is that actually in dollar terms? Uh, and then since I've never moved out before in like the groceries, et cetera, I kind of just followed the 50, 30, 20 rule. And I just did research basically. I Googled, you know, similar age range and like how much people do people spend. And I kind of picked a a reasonable number to start with um, for groceries. And obviously you have to live and learn and discover like how much I actually spend, but I, I kind of followed the 50, 30, 20 rule worked for me. So of your after tax income, like 50% should go to needs, 30% should go to wants, and then 20% you should be saving. In terms of rent, well, when I first moved, my priority was finding a job. So I kind of picked a location based on that. And I was probably overpaying a little bit for the space that I was in, but it was in the core of downtown where I figured most of my interviews would be. And it was a short-term lease, like just six months, which usually would be a slightly higher price um, Mm -hmm. versus locking into a one-year lease. But I made that decision deliberately. So can you talk a little bit more about creating a budget for moving in terms of like one-time moving expenses and then also recurring expenses? Tell me about your process for creating a budget for that. Firstly, the budget for moving and living in a new place, I would say before getting into the budget once you're out there, once you're in the new place is, again, as I mentioned, get a sense of what you're currently spending, even if you're living at home. Uh, that's the first step. And then from there, I basically start with income, always. like So just project your income. And for me, 
that means how much is landing in your bank account, you know, on the 1st or 15th or whenever you get paid and thinking about it in those terms, because if you have your annual salary it's before tax. Mm -hmm. So I use this tool that uh, maybe we can include the link to, but it's essentially like an income tax calculator where um, you type in your gross income for the year and which province you live in. And then you can choose like biweekly or month, and then it'll just give you the clean estimate after tax for that. So that's where you can actually start because that's what will actually be landing in your bank mm -hmm. account, which is really important <laughs> when you're creating your budget. And then from there, I just set limits for you know each spending category. And as I mentioned, if you have no idea how much things cost, just start with maybe some rules of thumb like the 50, 30, 20, or ask around um, parents, uh, friends, colleagues, you know, get a, get a general sense. Uh, and then try to keep initially the cost low. I mean, probably you, the first place you move to, we're probably going to just slum it for a bit, yeah. which is fine and like live and learn, but it will never hurt to just try and keep costs really low when you move out for the first time and, and then slowly upgrade. I guess my advice before we get into the details of the cost, my advice to people is just know what your values are and like know what you're moving for because when you look at a budget, it's not meant to be like the set of rules that a stranger created for you to follow. It's it's actually a kind of a reflection of your own values and this is what you're choosing to spend your money on. And so in creating those limits, the rules of thumbs are great. But you know, if you're someone moving to Vancouver just to enjoy the mountains and like go hiking and do all the sports or something, um, summer and winter, like those things are gonna cost money obviously so uh, but if that's the whole reason you're moving it's important to you then then do it and so your portion of the budget on that would probably be more than someone else's but just make sure that when you add to one area of your budget you have to take it from another area so that's how you you make sacrifices um, in other areas to to be able to spend on what's most important to you and that way or like I mean just for example like rent maybe somewhere that you can take from in that scenario, because if you're never home, <laughs> maybe you don't need to live in the Vegas nicest place, or mm -hmm. maybe you can have two roommates instead of one, something like that. For me, I learned after, you know, one or two places, and then I was able to adjust my budget to remember, you know, why I'm here, what I'm doing here, because the thing is, you want to be happy. And that's, you know, you don't want to just be so restricted, and living in the city and not even doing what you had envisioned, you know, before you moved here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so, it's so important. And something that I guess not a lot of people really think about when they think about creation of a budget. I, I haven't read this book, but someone told me about it. It's I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. He says essentially the same thing as what you said. You shouldn't feel guilt about spending money on things that you love and that bring you joy because if they bring you joy, like more power to you. But then it's important to obviously optimize for the areas that don't necessarily bring you too much joy and then be able to make sacrifices in that sense so that you're able to afford the things that you want to. And I think that's so, so key. Yeah, I think budgets, they're more fluid than people think. I think it's important to reevaluate your budget often because some months, maybe you do say it's okay for your for you to spend on your hobbies, 
but there's also a limit to that. Yeah. So let's talk about some important expenses to consider. So in terms of like one time and then recurring costs. So one time costs, obviously for a family, I'm not sure. And, you know, maybe we're speaking more about just similar to my situation, which for me, I moved out of my parents' home. So I didn't have any furniture of my own. My plan was just to rent. So I didn't have any um, initial moving costs, basically just paid for the cost of the flight. But once, and then the first place that I rented was furnished. So I didn't have to get any major items, but just some like kitchen stuff here and there. But eventually, I think for most people, you will eventually move into an unfurnished place. So cost of furniture, big one. Don't buy expensive furniture, probably for your first time. Like literally (laughs) everything I own is from Ikea. Um, Mm. Yeah, Ikea, yeah, it's the best value for for the price, I think. So I try to keep that as low as possible, but it's still, I did choose to buy new from Ikea. The other options, you know, you can look on Facebook Marketplace, find secondhand stuff. But for me, it was, that would take some time to accumulate everything you need. And I just wanted to get everything, you know, on one trip, that sort of thing. So I try to keep it as low cost as possible, but it's still, you know, it's still a good chunk. So, so make sure you have the funding for that. Once you do accumulate some furniture, or if you already had some to begin with, then when you move, you might have to consider the cost of movers. So the first few times I didn't have to. And then once I had a bit more stuff, I didn't, it wasn't enough to hire movers. So I just rented a U-Haul because I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. So those are potential costs. If you have a car, some friends <laughs> that maybe, maybe you can skip out on that, but something to consider. And then kind of recurring costs ongoing. Obviously the biggest, biggest ones will be your living. So your rent and um, utilities for the rent, as I mentioned, do your research and different parts of the city some are cheaper than others and so do your research in that in that aspect usually farther from downtown or farther from the core it could get cheaper and also if you live by any transit by the stations that might be more expensive so if you had a car then you could if you could live farther from the transit that you might be able to get cheaper rent uh, also furnished versus unfurnished usually furnished is more obviously and then I guess related to that on transportation costs, uh, more recurring costs, if you do have a car, <laughs> that's a big one, I feel, in, mm-hmm. in in the big cities because you need to consider parking, whether the place you're renting comes with that or if there's street parking. Car insurance, uh, again, I didn't move with a car, but I just heard, especially switching from Edmonton to Vancouver, like the car insurance is way more here. So in switching that over, you're ongoing costs might go up gas as well oh my gosh (laughs) when I first moved here like the first few months all I did was take take pictures of gas prices and send it to my parents (laughs) because I was like do you see this what's going on I I don't even drive so it was just like sticker shock for me so if you live in a transit-friendly city that could be great that's kind of one of the reasons I came to Vancouver Um, and if you live near work you can save on on transit costs uh, mm-hmm. that's another area to kind of do your research in. What are some things that you wish you had known with regard to money, like before you moved? I kind of wish I brushed up on my knowledge on like how to rent places or how the tenant, you know, how to be a tenant kind of thing and what you should do or like what you should be getting when 
before you move into a place um, that like tenant rights, tenant rights. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, nothing, I didn't get scammed or nothing bad really happened, but just for example, I've heard of stories where uh, the landlord's asking for, you know, the security deposit, like here in BC can't be more than half of your first month's rent. And like, it's just good to know that stuff in case they're asking you. And if you have no idea, then you might just agree to something and, and uh, whether they, they might return your money, but it's just the fact that you have money tied up now where, where it legally like shouldn't have been. Um, and then also one time I moved into a place where they, I didn't, know about they said they cleaned the carpets i guess it didn't seem that that clean but when i moved out of the place like we had to pay for the carpet cleaning and stuff and then that's when i realized like when i moved in the carpet should have been cleaned for me too mm-hmm. so it's just things like that i mean rent is if it's the largest part of your expenses it's the place that you live you kind of want to get what you're paying for so just brushing up on yeah on your tenant rights Mm-hmm. I think that's so important, especially if you're moving to a new city or even if you're moving out on your own for the first time, because every city has different tenant rights and laws and there are certain places that protects the tenants more. So I think it's important to definitely know those things. And I think a realtor can definitely help in that sense as well. It doesn't cost you anything to work with a realtor oh, it doesn't? When, when you're renting. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. The landlord pays for it. Hmm. I had no idea. Well, like for me, all the information was on the BC government website. So it was actually mm. really great. Like it, it had everything I needed to know in, in very clear language. Yeah, definitely. Were there any unexpected costs that you ran into? I feel that I did pretty thorough research. So nothing really caught me off guard, but not so much unexpected, but just annoying costs is realizing you have to buy everything in the kitchen, <laughs> like mm. chopsticks. I was like, I have to buy chopsticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so my parents' house has like millions of chopsticks and Tupperware, just like things that you realize have always been in your kitchen and you have to actually buy it <laughs> yourself. Um, so those can definitely add up. And this didn't happen to me, but I'm always prepared for like a phone or for laptop breaks because for most people, that's kind of either essential to your studies or to your work and life and that's always it could be a could be a cost that you suddenly have to um, pay for Mm -hmm. yeah and that's why it's really good to have an emergency fund just in general even if you're not moving for for things like that for life things that'll Mm -hmm. happen wait so you didn't bring any kitchen stuff with you so you literally like packed your clothes and was like (laughs) let me get on this flight Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because, well, again, Edmonton is a one hour flight from Vancouver. Okay. So I figured that, yeah, I would get over there with just, yeah, my clothes and, uh, you know, some basic stuff that I could fit in, move into a furnished place, kind of get my bearings, get a job, that sort of thing. And when I went back home for Christmas and stuff, I did end up taking chopsticks from my parents <laughs> and things like that. But yeah, I I just took very minimal, very, mm-hmm. very minimal stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some resources that you'd recommend for people who want to brush up on their personal finance? There's so many resources and anything you could possibly want to know is on the internet, which is overwhelming for sure. One of my favorite sites for Canadians is getsmarteraboutmoney.ca. 
it's created by the OSE, uh, the Ontario Security Commission. I just find that one to be a good one-stop shop. They have all the articles explaining really basic concepts uh, about all sorts of topics, whether it's saving, investing, um, house and house purchases, and they have like tools and calculators too. So it's pretty much just like a really great pool of knowledge there. Mm -hmm. And then for more, I guess, like intermediate or advanced learners who, you know, you've already heard about these terms like stocks and bonds, and then you're just wanting to get a better understanding of them. I like napkinfinance.com. They basically do napkin doodles, breaking down these finance concepts. So it's really digestible. Yeah. And they write, um, so for each concept, they do a napkin doodle and then they have a short article explaining it. And I really like their, their definitions too. So that's kind of, it's more of a dictionary style though. So you kind of already have to know what you're looking for to define and then kind of go from there Mm -hmm. versus the get smarter about money.ca is you can just know absolutely nothing. You just get on there and, and just start reading so mm-hmm. yeah and then I guess the last resource would be self-education is great and um, there's so many resources but I feel like it does only go so far and I think talking about it really helps or if you have access to a trustworthy advisor like that's really great learning but if not just start by asking your money savvy friends or some you know you're an accountant, <laughs> Gloria. So just maybe, you know, just start talking about it with friends who maybe are, are ahead of you in their personal finance journey and and just share, you know, maybe don't take it as direct advice on what you should do, but, but talk to, the more you talk to people, I feel like the more you can build your own repertoire of knowledge and decide your own strategy from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just like get more ideas on different things that you could be doing to, to help you grow your wealth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? I just recently started a personal finance Instagram page to help people learn more about money. It's the breadwinner sis on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. And that brings us to the end of our show. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.